I'm so glad you guys are here tonight. We are going to be looking at winning the battle in the mind. Who in here's got a mind? Oh, I'm just checking. Okay. I was looking for a little more affirmation there. I didn't get what I was expecting. Sister Command, if you would close that. Sister Brandon, if you'll close that for me. Um, I want to thank Brother Brian. Did a great job last week putting the ball up on the tee, talking about um, winning the battle in your mind. He kind of gave you uh, the overall vision casting that long before we act or long before we develop results, what really transpires happens in the mind first. And so tonight we're going to do our first lesson to where we go into a breakout session or we have uh, growth groups or if you want to call it focus groups. And this gives you a chance uh, in a smaller setting to develop some facts, share it with friends, and discuss a, an appropriate response. Any, anybody here ever called a friend and asked them, am I being reasonable? Anybody ever done that? Okay. You, you've asked them, hey, is it, this is how I feel. Is it reasonable? And if not, what is a reasonable response or approach? And it's important. That's why the Bible uh, teaches that we need to assemble ourselves together and model our lives after others who have uh, developed some good ways of thinking. Everybody say amen. Okay. Uh, before we do that, I do have... A request, uh, Sister Laura, raise your hand. Sister Laura uh, Caban has uh, picked up pastor's burden to minister to those instead of not making eye contact with those who may have a cardboard sign or looking for uh, some, some help, uh, something that we all can do. She has developed what we call blessing bags, and that bag is, is an assortment of things that could be beneficial in a setting to where maybe you're homeless or transient or somewhere in the state of flux with no permanent place to reside. And so she's trying to take what she's already received by your donations. But a few things she could use to complete these blessing bags are some pairs of socks, uh, deodorant. Who thinks that's the will of God? Amen. Uh, soap. Okay. Uh, Band-Aids, toothpaste, toothbrush, mouthwash, shampoo, antibacterial products. Uh, and if you could, try to uh, get those in travel sizes. So the next time you run out to Wally World or Dollar General or somewhere, uh, get what you need and then some. And we have a purple decorated box. Right now it's in the back portion of the fellowship hall. We're going to move it back before Sunday into our foyer to put it in the front of your mind. And so please participate. We're going to distribute these. You're going to keep them in your car. And when appropriate, you can get that out. Instead of uh, maybe looking away, you can look to and offer something. We're going to have an insert of some Bible information, some contact resources, maybe even some small Bible studies that we're going to put in these bags as well because we want to make a difference, don't we? And if y'all don't wake up, don't wake up, we're going to have a problem tonight. Okay, so we're going to look for just a little bit tonight. I'm trying to discipline myself that it's 
7.30, I'm going to have to quit. So for just a moment, let's review maybe some things Brother Brian talked about last week. Did anybody listen to the podcast from last week? Well, why would I listen to the podcast? Because I was here. Thank you, Sister Janie, and I was not here, so I got to listen to the podcast. Just so you know, if you benefit from one of these lessons, uh, hopefully by in the morning, uh, we'll be sending this out on the app as well as in a text format that all you have to do is touch on it and then select which lesson you want to listen to, and you can listen to it right there on your smartphone, the audio file. And so for me, who's always trying to make good use of my time, whether I'm traveling or I'm waiting somewhere like for gas, I'll have something good to feed my mind on. So in review, uh, we established last week you are headed in the direction of your strongest thoughts. A good example of that many years ago now, we had an evangelist here at the church, and we took he and his wife to dinner after service. He did a really good job preaching, and his wife was so humble and kind. She, you could tell during the service that while he's preaching, she's praying for his effectiveness, and she's amening him, and, oh, Jesus, bless him, oh, Jesus, bless, oh, Jesus, use him. And so we were fellowshipping after service that night, and she told us the funniest story. She says, my husband, when he's really tired, preaches a lot longer. And so I knew that while he was preaching, because he was tired, he was bogged down. And he'd already been preaching 45 minutes, and he hadn't even got to his main thought. And she said, I'm sitting there on the front row, and I'm praying for him. But in my mind, I'm going, hurry, hurry, hurry. And finally, the preacher says, and if you agree with that, say amen. And she sprung to her feet and said, hurry. <laughs> now, why did she say hurry instead of amen? Because it was the strongest thought on her mind. I hope you like that example. The Apostle Paul tells us in the book of Romans, that for transformation, it comes from the mind. For the Bible says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You broke that word down, renewing. I was young, I'm now old, but I'm going to be renewed. I'm going to be new again. Who in here is over 18? Who here is under 18? Be quicker. Okay, under 18. Oh, you have so much to learn. So much to learn. I love the 18-year-olds because their mind, their brain tells them, I know everything. And how you know that they think they know everything is the eye roll. They don't say it with their mouth. They say it with their eyes. Right? Like, duh, mom. Good Lord, Dad, everybody knows that, right? It's not necessarily bad or rebellion. Their brain really is running faster and it is sharper at 18 than it's ever going to be. 18-year-olds, it's all downhill from here. Okay. The misnomer or, the, or the, the, what you need to realize is, yes, your brain, your processor, your computer is running incredibly fast, and it's crisp, and it's sharp. The problem is it doesn't have enough data in there yet 
to make good decisions. And that's why it's not just having a brain or having a sharp brain. It is having a lot of resources, experience in life that will help you calculate and compute good decisions. Paul says, be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. He didn't say get a new wardrobe. He didn't say get a new car. He didn't say get a new boyfriend or girlfriend. What did he say? If you want real transformation, it's not a plastic surgeon or a pill. It comes in the mind. If you want to experience transformation, you must allow God to work in and through your thinking processes. Now, I enjoyed the podcast with Brian talking about strongholds. If you go to the Greek where the word strongholds, and it was a military term, it was a place they ran to when they were under attack. But the same word could be transliterated into a safe space. Who in here has heard of safe spaces? I'm getting some hairy eyeballs. I even saw an eye roll from one or two people. Okay. Well, you're not political, and you're not saying, well, these safe spaces where people can't handle the truth. That's not us, but many of us do run not to a safe space, but to our comfort zone. Who in here has got a comfort zone? When life doesn't work out just right, you've got, a, you've got a place you go. It may not be a geographical place. Your comfort zone oftentimes has comfort food. Oh, I just felt something when I said that. Comfort food like ice cream, mashed potatoes, potato chips. I'm waiting for potato ice cream. I mean, carb loading. We may run to that comfort zone of our money or surround ourselves with our stuff. Can anybody relate to that? You go and look at all your stuff, and that makes you feel better. You're in your comfort zone. You look at the balances in your saving or your mutual fund. That gives you a degree of comfort or ease, okay? Too many people stay in unhealthy relationships. Why? Because that's what I deserve. Their thinking has affected their decision-making and has put them in an, in an unbeneficial place. I want you to get this. Your thoughts turn into actions, and your actions repeated over and over again can have bad long-term effects. Why? If you, every time something goes wrong or doesn't go exactly right, if you run to your comfort zone, let's say your comfort zone is comfort food, could it affect your weight and your overall health? Could when you run to your stuff or your money, can you be susceptible to materialism or consumerism? There was a lady in my hometown of Huntsville. She was the uh, superintendent of city schools. She had a doctorate and two masters, and she ended up getting fired because she had over 100 credit cards maxed out at $10,000 each and had no assets to her liabilities. 
Does that sound wise to you? What would cause somebody to do that? It's not logic, is it? Could it be emotionalism? Could it be her safe space or her comfort zone or how her brain handled the stress, anxiety, or hurt was shopping? I've got personal in my head now. Anybody here got any emotional scars? Now, I can't, I can't speak for you. I can speak for me. I've got some blemishes, some scars, some flaws in the flesh that I will do my best to disguise or cover up. Somebody told me recently, oh, pastor, I love the new hairdo. Did you realize that I did not wake up one day and say, oh, I need a new hairdo? I, I, saw, the, I saw this guy on a billboard. Oh, that's what I want my hair to do. I was perfectly content with the short buzz. I love getting up in the morning and jumping through the shower and running a towel through my hair, and that's all I got to do. It's convenient. Brother Neymar says, yeah, tell it. <laughs> you took it to an extreme, brother, I'm just saying. Okay. I did not change my hairstyle because I was just due for a change. I had a non-malignant tumor removed off the back of my head, and it left a scar. And I'm not super sensitive about the blemish, but I had two or three kids go, what's that? And it was kind of painful. I said, i got to grow some hair to kind of cover it so I don't keep going, what's that? Who in here has got some scars that you're not necessarily like, hey, please look at my scar? No. If that's true in the flesh physical, who in here has got some emotional scars that you don't really want to be honest or expose or share with others? The struggle is real. Emotional scars can warp our identity and affect our perception of who we are. I want you to get that real quick. I'm hurrying for the sake of time. Remember, thoughts become actions, actions become habits, habits become identities and affect your destiny. As a man thinketh, or as a woman thinketh in her or his heart, so is what? Do you think you can't? You can't. Those negative thoughts become strongholds. They become ruts or grooves in your brain. Neurologists and pathologists have done brain scans and they have done autopsies and they literally can see the vascular growth, how the chemicals in your brain move from one spot to another. It literally cuts ruts or grooves in your brain as you think. Now, I don't have this in my notes, but Dr. Christina Leaf, she's from South Africa. She's a Christian. She was a neurologist for 15 years, and she's been a pathologist for the last 10 years. And she has written a great book, and I'll give it to you in the future. But she said this, through her joint studies with John Hopkins University, they've been doing brain scans on people. And guess what? After 120 days of a person developing a prayer life of 5 to 15 minutes, not only do the future brain scans after the 120 days show they're using more of their brain, they're using different parts of their brain. 
I want you to know that God created the brain and it is maximized when we pray unto him and we get into different veins or grooves in our brain by our reaching out to him. That's not me. That's scientifically proven. Okay. Now, negative thoughts become ruts in your brain. I'm going to ask a question. We've got a lot of construction type people here. Who has ever tried to take a maybe three or four inch screw to attach one board to another? Anybody here ever done that? Yeah. Now, I love working with screws versus nails. You know, you take that cordless screw gun, you can get a lot done, okay? And what I like about it, you can take it apart and reuse the lumber. That's the frugal McDougal in me, I'm sorry, okay? But I have got the screw and got it started, and then I get my shoulder into it, and I apply some torque and some pressure, and as it's going in, all of a sudden it decides to cut a new groove and go sideways and doesn't hit the mark. I go, so I hit the reverse on the screw gun, and I have to back the screw out, and then I line it up again, and I apply the pressure to it, and guess what happens? It finds that bad path where it had gone skewed in the past because why that previously formed path is much easier for that screw to go down that path as to cut a new path. I want you to hear this preacher. I know this is an obvious example, but who knows that when you have created a previous path in your thinking, it's easy to fall back into past thinking habits. If you have seen your way a certain way for a long time, it's hard. Anybody here, I think Brother Brian touched on this last week, who's got a voice in your head? We're okay with that. It's when you have voices. It's okay to talk to yourself. They asked Brother Benson one time about talking to himself. He said, you know why I talk to myself? Because I want to talk to a smart person. <laughs> I love that. It's okay to ask yourself a question. It's a little unnerving when you say, huh? <laughs> I don't know about you. Sometimes I'm visual, but most of the time I hear my voice in my Head. I call myself Carlos most of the time. Like, what were you thinking when you did that? When we've had negative or broken thoughts, we've cut deep ruts, repetitive flow through the same path, this worn out path over and over again because we've thought negatively for a long time. When something good happens, that voice says, I'm not going to get too excited because you're going to leave me too. Mom and dad left me. Husband left me. Kids love me. You're going to leave me too. Something's going to happen. It's going to rob my joy. It always does. Getting nervous in here. Self, you're not worthy and you know it. So don't expect anything good to happen to you. Who's ever heard those voices? You don't want to raise your hand. That's okay. No matter how good or how possible something is, you self-destruct or you fail to act because of the ruts of what's already been preformed in your thinking. Okay. I had a friend named Chris. Chris had a dog named Bucky. Isn't that a great name for a dog, Bucky? He just seems like a friendly dog, that Bucky. Okay. 
And I went over to Chris's house, and I looked in the backyard. He had no fence. But Bucky had cut one of those circles where he'd run the same route over and over again. He wasn't on a chain. He wasn't on a choker. He wasn't on a runner. But he had this circular track he just ran on over and over and over and over again. And I said, Chris, what's wrong with Bucky? He said, what do you mean? I said, well, he's cut this path, worn, beaten down path in the backyard. Grass won't even grow there. He said, that's kind of a funny story. He said, we got Bucky, and he wasn't familiar with us. We wasn't familiar with him. We didn't want to lose him, but he needed to be in the yard, so we installed an electric fence. And so we put Bucky in the backyard, and he would encroach. He'd go across the boundary of the electric fence, and he'd get a jolt, get a shock. He'd whimper, and he'd back up from where he got shocked. And it created those negative experiences, created boundaries that he no longer was willing to venture. And so that circle was his domicile where he lived. He just kept walking, running, jogging. Somebody would come by on their bike. Somebody would do something. He'd just go around in circles. I said, wow, that's kind of wild. He said, the funny thing is, after a year or two, and after other people got shocked on the electric fence, <laughs> oh, he said, we disconnected it. He said, but nobody told Bucky. <laughs> so we don't even have to have one of those fences now because Bucky's brain has been conditioned to not cross certain boundaries. Let me make this clear. Did you know that negative experiences of his past had established boundaries that he was not willing to cross. Anybody here can relate? Anybody been hurt? It's caused you not willing to stick yourself out there? You've been hurt in relationships? Hurt from churches? Hurt from family? Self-inflicted hurts? Okay. Why bother? Why try? But your enemy, the devil, uses his one and only tool on his tool belt. Anybody know what that tool is? He, only, he got, really has one tool. He's a one-trick pony. Lies. That's all he had. When Jesus was in the garden, excuse me, when Jesus was in the wilderness, fasting and praying, and the devil came to him, what did he use? He didn't pull out a machete. He didn't use jujitsu. He didn't bring a bunch of demons and say, we're going to whoop you. What did he do? Lied to him. Cause, wanted to cause him to die. Even the garden, what did he use on her? The only tool he has are lies. Hear me, our enemy, the devil. You want to move past your ruts, but Satan jolts you with past hurts. Get this. He uses past hurts and applies falsely what you can perceive from those hurts. Example, because you did this, You'll never be able to get it right in the future. Who has made mistakes in the past? And you'll believe a lie because I messed up in the past. I can never be successful in the future. That's a lie. Because they rejected you, nobody loves you. Is that true? No. But we believe the lie oftentimes. Because God let that happen, you can't trust him with anything. Is that true? The enemy will extrapolate one bad experience and he will jolt your faith and he will cause you to fall into fatalism. Nothing's going to change. Why bother? Just give up. Go with the flow. 
I'm never going to get out of debt, so I'm going shopping. You're laughing because why? There's an element of truth in what I'm saying. I'm never going to lose weight, so give me the gallon of ice cream. I'm never going to find someone, so I'm just going to settle instead of waiting on what God has provided as my best. I'm going to bring it home here. Many years ago, one of my first construction experiences, I was employed by a guy who did home improvements, and the homeowner's problem was every time it rained, rain would come right down this part of his backyard, and it cut a deep rut in his backyard. That was bad enough, but that rut would run right to a corner of the house, and it would go right down the cinder block and flood his basement. It created a muddy rut. Water just flowed, 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 and it went straight down, and it made his basement uninhabitable. The house kind of had a consistent, musty smell. I said, Mark, how are we going to fix this? He said, I'm glad you asked, and he opened the back of his vehicle he had a pick and a shovel what are we going to do with this do you know what we did we took a pick and a shovel and we cut a trench do you know what in its beginning the trench looked just like a rut it was a muddy mess but it was a pathway of purpose that we cut a trench, and when the rainwater came to the top of his property, it now hit this low place in this trench, and this trench worked kind of like a canal, and so the water flowing towards the house and making a worse rut, and then running the basement, it diverted the water, and it ran around the edge of his property and down to a natural stream, and that homeowner was excited, and he refinished his whole basement, and he was super excited. It wasn't really complicated. It just required some back-breaking effort that he didn't help with, and I'm not bitter. I'm over it. Can I say today, when we cut a trench, it was to divert the water. Can I say this? When the enemy comes in like a flood, the Bible says in Isaiah 59 that God will raise a standard. That word standard there is an absolute truth. When the devil says you're a lovable loser, and that comes natural to your way of thinking because it's been that way for years. But you're cutting a trench of truth that diverts the lie of the devil. I thought somebody say amen on that. When you say I'm just a broken vessel, I've always been this way. It's always going to be this way. You don't have to stay that way. You can cut a trench of truth that diverts the enemy's assault on your mind. And you can tell him, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I am created in the image of God. I don't have to buy your lie. Well, I can't do that. You can do that. For God created the brain. It is a living and growing and changing organism. Just as you cut ruts of negative thinking, you can change your thinking. Trenches of truth. 
When you say to yourself, I'm a born loser and the enemy wants to jolt you with some bad memory of your past and tries to take you down that war, well-worn path of fatalism, you let him know God has a plan for me. He has an expected end for me. He has a purpose for me. So, Pastor, what, what are you saying tonight? Wow, I did great on time. That's not what you're supposed to. That's what I'm saying. The lesson tonight is simply the enemy's a liar who's got a past, who's done stupid, who's done self-inflicted injury to yourself, whose life is over. You better get your hand down on that one. Today's a new day. God can make you a new creature. You can be transformed by the renewing, the changing of your thought processes. Tonight, what I want you to get, the very simple lesson is, you may have ruts of your thinking, but God wants you to replace the rut thinking for trenches that are purposefully placed to divert the flood of the enemy that wants to destroy your future. So the enemy doesn't only hate you, He hates your destiny and who you can influence for righteousness, how your children and grandchildren are going to be blessed because of your modification or your renewal of mind. It's not just you. He wants to eliminate anybody you can influence with your testimony of how God's turned your life around. Tonight, I've got a very simple exercise. I've got a handout in just a second. We're going to go across the way into the fellowship hall. If you're watching on our live stream tonight, these notes will be made available in just a few minutes. You can download them or print them at home. But you will be given a couple of examples. So it's a three-step process. You're going to divulge an area that's a stronghold or you know a rut in your thinking that really is not good. You don't have to be uber transparent but you got to give you got to identify it or you'll never be delivered from it does that mean until you can lay your finger on it and 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 name it you'll never be delivered from it so you're going to work in small groups we're going to have at least four groups and then a spanish speaking group and then pastors on standby if we need a sixth group pastor will take a small group for our sixth group so your team leader We'll give you the couple of examples. So step one will be identify the lie, the stronghold, the thing that comes against your mind that's a rut. Second step is to establish truth from God's word that combats that lie. And the third step is you're going to draft or write a declaration. You're going to declare God's truth and apply it to your life. Is that okay? All right. Let's pray. Jesus, right now, we thank you for our brothers and our sisters. Our desire at all times is to please you. Tonight, as we study, let us be able to formulate and be transparent, God, because we really want to be affected and grow and change. And help us tonight that we can trust you and knit our hearts together for the revelation of truth, for the glory of God, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.